Welcome back to New Rockstars. This is The Big Question, the podcast that gives you too much information about how Marvel Sorcerer Supreme is actually supremely negligent information that we are going to use to sue Doctor Strange for malpractice. I'm Eric Voss. With me is Tommy Bechtold. How you doing, man? I'm feeling good. I'm ready for justice to be served. <laughs> And if we can't do it, we're getting Selino and Barnes in here to figure this all out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Strange yeah. has been getting away with too much strange behavior for too long. And you know yes. what? His day of reckoning has arrived. We're, we're bringing the heat. That's right. And we've been wanting to do this episode because uh, a couple of months back, you may remember Philip Molina and I put Avengers Endgame on trial. We prosecuted mm. it with all those uh, cinema sins accusations. Philip did his darndest to defend this movie's plot holes. Uh, but really, if you think about it, more than most, Dr. Stephen Strange was one of the most able characters in those two movies. And he made some of the most bizarre chess move choices that we don't fully yes. understand. If you're one of those litigious uh, phone book assholes out there looking for someone to hang charges on, uh, mm -hmm. Tony and Natasha, they're dead. Cap's retired. Thor, Star-Lord, they're off world. Hulk is in a sling. No jury's going to convict the guy in a sling. Uh, Stephen Strange is the defendant that you want to list at the top of that lawsuit. That's right. And Ant-Man is poor. So there's yeah. no money to get from him. No money there. Stephen Strange. Some some attorney got to look at Stephen Strange's watch collection. They're like, hmm, all That's right. right. All right. That's <laughs> now, as we said before, <laughs> Philip has taken a break this summer from New Rockstar's videos. and uh, But just to be clear. He keeps dressing me up so I can act out his theories. He shaves me everywhere. Uh, hey, hey, cut, cut the feed. Cut that feed. Cut the... Uh, uh, da, da. <laughs> uh, no one was supposed to see you. Okay, uh, why did we put a camera in there? That was, a, that was our bad. Oh, was our oh bad. right. We put a camera in there uh, for sexy stuff. <laughs> that's right. Uh, well, that was for the fun stuff. But, you know, life is all about the good and bad. You take it good and you take it, it bad, was, right? It was a calculated risk. Um, but, hey, yeah. either way, all of you watching, see? He's, he's yeah. fine. He's totally okay. To some people, that was the sexy stuff. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with it. All right. Uh, this time, we're going to take Stephen Strange to trial. Tommy's going to list the charges as our judge. I will be defending the defendant, Stephen Strange. Yes. All right. So here's what we were trying to figure out. Is Dr. Strange guilty of negligence? Should he have done more? And has he doomed us all? Oh, that's a difficult challenge. Well, let, let's start with um, the legal definition of negligence. Uh, neither of us are lawyers, but no. we know how to Wikipedia things. And negligence is defined as a failure to behave with the type of care that someone of ordinary prudence would have exercised under the same circumstances. The behavior usually consists of actions, but can also consist of omissions when there is some duty to act. For example, a duty to help victims of one's previous conduct. Mm. So as we uh, weigh these uh, negligence charges, we're going to apply a rule to ourselves. It's easy to say everything Strange did in Infinity War and Endgame was all according to that one victory destiny out of the 14,605,000 alternate plans that he reviewed. But we're going to throw mm. that defense out the window. Just because right. it's impossible to prove, and it wouldn't hold up in court. It'd be like saying, um, not wearing a mask and coughing on your groceries is part of the plan from my visions. <laughs> Don't throw me I'll in jail. I'll allow it. Overruled. <laughs> Sustained. You're out of line. <laughs> yes. Now the judge is being thrown in jail. 
I'm holding myself again, damn. Um, so while we could just use Doctor Strange's plan to justify all these things, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the harder route. Uh, I will propose mm. that my client had fully valid reasons for each and every one of his actions and his inactions. Interesting. All right. Well, then, ladies and gentlemen, this is the people of the MCU in association with the other MCU, that's Man Children United, who think they live in this world, versus Dr. Stephen Strange, MD and Sorcerer Supreme. We will now proceed with the charges. Okay. <clears throat> the first charges, uh, of which there are many, as levied by MezoJD on Discord. Why didn't Strange use the Time Stone to put Thanos in a time loop and then rewind his attacks or just freeze him? Mm, Meso JD, I assume the JD stands for Juris Doctorate, so I'm going to take this very seriously. Yes. It's it's fair to ask this question because, yeah, Strange, I would say, did exercise ordinary prudence with the Time Stone plenty of other times, like with Dormammu, with Kaecilius in Hong Kong <laughs> to reassemble the destruction there. If he could rewind a fucking apple, couldn't he rewind the bites that Thanos took out of Tony Stark's gut? Uh... Fair, 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 fair. But here's why Strange is innocent, uh, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. We have to assume that Thanos possessing the four Infinity Stones in the Battle of Titan, the Power Stone, the Space Stone, Reality Stone, Soul Stone, would make him at least a bit resistant to the effects of one Infinity Stone, the Time Stone. Uh, these stones are presented to be of equal power, even though they have different effects. It's not like one Infinity Stone, even though it's a Time Stone, can trump four other Infinity Stones that control reality and spatial power. And we saw Thanos use those four stones against Strange in different ways. He used the Soul Stone against him. That must have freaked Strange the fuck out. So we must have assumed from that that Thanos could have broken through any time loop that he put on him. It was also more important to Strange to keep the Time Stone hidden during the battle. That was his main thing. He didn't want to expose it because he learned from fighting Ebony Ma in New York that the moment he tried to open the Eye of Agamotto up, he, he reached for it. He grabbed it. So he's thinking, well, a guy who has four Infinity Stones, he's going to be able yeah. to counteract any of my spells. So yes. I, I don't want to expose it. He hid it amongst the stars in the background, like that uh, Temple of Doom assassin. You know, it's just kind of blending in the whole time. And then Thanos was attack. So why didn't he help Stark's wounds? Well, Stark's wounds weren't fatal, right? They were they were pretty bad, but Stark had that miracle goo that he just sprayed on and he walked it off. Yes. He's fine. Strange knew that he'd be okay. So why would he use the Time Stone now for that? He only he brought it out when he had to surrender it. You know, because he knew at that point that uh, Thanos' four stones were insurmountable. And yes, you could say that, you know, right before he dusted, he said this is the only way, but that is the planned defense and we are not using it. He had other reasons. I, you know, uh, that last point, it resonates with me because if there's really any character in the MCU qualified to make a snap judgment on whether or not a wound is mortal, it's probably a celebrated surgeon, right? Like they, right? He could probably, if anyone's going to have to guess just from a visual, like he could recover from those wounds, yeah. uh, Strange is going to have the data in his brain. So that, that, that holds water for me, but we'll see. We'll see. This trial moves on. So follow up. Why didn't Strange use more of his spells against 2014 Thanos in Endgame when Thanos had no Infinity Stones to fight back with in that iteration? Okay, so this is... All right, you're needling me here. All right, yeah, yes, you're right. Yes. 2014 Thanos in that final battle didn't have any Infinity Stones until he mm. got his hands on the gauntlet. So presumably Strange could have used all the moves that he put on Thanos in Infinity War, the mirror dimension, the images of Icon where he makes duplicates of himself, Crimson Bands of Sidorak, all that stuff. He could have sent him on a multiverse trip as concept art would have shown him uh, doing. 2014 Thanos, if any of that happened to him, yeah, he would have been confused as fuck. He would have been like, mm. what the hell is this? I have no way to fight back. 
But I will still say my client is innocent of negligence here because rewind back to that battle. Strange spent most of that battle keeping them all from drowning since that lake water Mm. was spilling into the blast crater. Uh, He had his hands full this whole battle. He had his hands full. The glove doesn't fit. (laughs) Yeah, Mr. Quinn. Anything you say Strange should have done. Yeah, Fog of War. Fog of War. Yeah, okay. Fog of War. I like your character. Your Comic-Con 2021 character will be Johnny Cockfell, which is a (laughs) combination of Johnny Cochran and Jerry Seinfeld. It's going to be very hard for you to pull off, but if anyone can do it, it's you. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. I like, you know, you come with the facts, and we appreciate that. This is a court of logic and reason, so you bring facts to me, I respond to them, whether I understand them or not. (laughs) <laughs> All right, our next charge, as levied by Oopsie, Oopsie, which I think might just be Oopsie or like, Oopsie. Or, is there a G there? Nope, that's I'm not blind. It's Opazi on Discord. Why didn't Strange use his sling ring portals more often? He could have sliced off Thanos' arm with a portal, or he could have portaled them all back home from the Q-ship. Okay, a fair question, Your Honor. Sorcerers are well aware of the weaponization of portals. We saw Wong slicing off mm-hmm. Colipsidian's arm earlier in Infinity War. Uh, and Strange definitely weaponized portals against Kaecilius. He also used it to fuck around with Thor and Loki. Plenty in Ragnarok. Uh, he himself returned from Mount Everest with a portal, so why wouldn't he again use it mm-hmm. to escape another near-death moment in Infinity War? Well... This one's a bit tougher, but I will defer to my expert witness, Joe Russo, co-director of the film. Uh, Ooh. Imagine him swinging open these doors, strutting down that aisle. <laughs> oh, uh, the, the, the gallery's just like, oh, it's yeah. Him. Oh my God, His brother here. Anthony oh. starts to talk and he's like, shut up. I'm the one who's actually doing all the work here. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, he says, quote, Thanos' skin is almost impenetrable. We don't know whether Doctor Strange had the capability to do it, to cut off the arm. If he Mm. failed to cut it on time, Thanos would still be able to do the snap. Doctor Strange, he says, realized this issue during his millions of test runs. Okay, so Joe Russo is trying to use the plan defense. We will not be relying on the plan defense. So basically, the reason is because Thanos' skin was too thick like all parts oh of we knew that yeah we knew that mm-hmm. we did that yeah but really this is like the same kind of argument he has infinity stones he controls space he controls reality so any kind of spells that are there he's got a couple different ways he can counteract it and see it kind of coming uh and the moment it starts to happen he can because those sling rings they aren't immediate right there's like a couple sparks begin and he got maybe like four seconds of wind up time so at that point he can just be like shoot 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 and then use an extinguishing spell to to put out the sparks and then he's fine and then he snaps your neck for trying so uh why not portal home well um i would argue in infinity war that strange had never been that far off world now he had been in the dark dimension but he didn't get there with portal and doctor strange he just it was already that gateway had already been open he just kind of soared up into it and he soared back so this guy is in an unfamiliar situation he doesn't know how far away is he doesn't know if sling rings will work that far to get to get all the way back now in endgame Sure, he uses portals to to get everyone back there. But in that moment, he didn't know yet. He didn't know that you could do it. Uh, and maybe he tried a bunch of ways, and then he figured out how to open portals. Uh, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, but really, the big reason why Strange didn't portal home in Infinity War is Stark had won him over in the debate. Strange wanted to turn the ship around. He wanted to go back. Uh, but Tony convinced him that they need to take the fight to Thanos. 
So at that point, he's like, okay, well, I'm not going to go back. I'm not going to retreat from this fight because I'd rather take it to his home turf than back to New York and hurt more countless people. So uh, he knew that that uh, Infinity Stone was like a magnet. So he wanted to make sure the magnet have, you know, drawed all the trouble somewhere else. I would also say that um, by taking the fight to Titan, they would face Thanos alone without his army. And if you watch that battle on Titan, he, I, don't, I wouldn't say Thanos is so interested in killing them. Yes, he does do a lot of attacks too that would kill them. <laughs> but like, mm, yes. uh, unlike, you know, the rest of the Black Order and the Outrider army back in Wakanda, they were savage. They were ready to kill people. And I don't mm. think Strange wanted that situation. He'd rather fight, you know, six on one or whatever that was. Okay. Well, Eric, you've done something. You've, you've led, that was, but you did something that is, uh, Gonna lead you straight to the heart of this judge and implying that Doctor Strange's character evolved and learned things from his own standalone movie that he applied into a, a further Avengers sequel. Are you saying character development crossing MCU movies? He learned his own arrogance can't always be the only way to solving problems, that sometimes he must go against what he thinks is right and listen to someone that may actually have a better idea than him and go along with a plan, someone like Tony Stark the antithesis of who Stephen Strange is, even though maybe they're more similar than they'd like to admit, thus leading him to the actual correct solution, even though it goes against everything he, as a person who thinks he's the smartest person on earth, would normally do because he's learned by failing and by experiencing life. Wow. I don't know, Eric. You just moved me there. This court this court just got two degrees warmer, and my heart just got three sizes bigger, and I'm getting a little lightheaded, and my left arm is tingling. Uh, is there a doctor in the courtroom? Uh, can the defendant uh, check up on our judge to make sure he's... <laughs> Anthony Russo tries to speak up again. Shut up! <laughs> Was there a bigger missed opportunity than an endgame for the Russo brothers, for the brothers part to just disappear <laughs> and say, the Russo, and then, like, the smiling Russo brother? Anyway, Anthony Russo's uh, kids have gotten more screen time in the MCU than he has. That's a good point. <laughs> All right, so... Next, Russell MC, one of my favorite rappers on Discord, says, Why didn't Strange try to trap Thanos in the mirror dimension more? You bring up a good point that the mirror dimension exists purely to keep enemies in a separate reality where their attacks won't damage the real world. Uh, kind of like a, a bouncy castle uh, for the bully kid. You have to stay in the bouncy castle and the rest of the kids yes. will, will play on the jungle gym. Um, mm. And Strange is well aware of this. But uh, sorry, my friend. Strange did try to do this. During the wizard mm. duel, Strange did fire a mirror dimension spell at Thanos. It was very quick. Mm. A lot of people missed it, but but he tried. But Thanos immediately deflected it, and he turned it into a fucking black hole and threw it back at him. And Strange is mm. probably just like, no, I'm not going to try that again. Uh, so I yeah. think at that moment, Strange very quickly learned that most of his spells would probably be useless against the four infinity stones that Thanos had already acquired and would not try again to trap him in the mirror dimension. Yes, uh, I'm picking up a theme on these, and that is that we are dealing with a hyper-intelligent superhero that also has the has had the power to manipulate time. Yeah. So he's lived thousands of lifetimes in his one lifetime. So a lot of this is talked up to, he's just been there before and done that before, so he's not going to make the same mistake twice because right. he is, in fact, brilliant. Absolutely. All right, next question, next charge. Un pantalon, one pant, or unpantalone no pants asks why didn't strange look into the future more often all right this one's a very fair question because strange should have looked in the future long before getting to the titan uh, in fact he learned from the ancient one that it's totally okay for a sorcerer supreme to just like look into the future as much as you want but he also might have learned a lesson from the ancient one to not do that because 
the reason why I, I think this charge doesn't stick. The Ancient One warned him that when she looked at Strange's future, she saw limitless possibilities. So at that mm. point, Strange probably figured it was a futile exercise to see his own future. Uh, it was only uh. when he had a specific task at hand, thwarting Thanos on Titan, that he was able to focus his forward glances on one set of possible actions as opposed to just like, mm. I want to see my future. What's my future? And he throw the whole right. deck of cards in the air. He was able to be like, I want to see my future, but just in hearts. And then you, you know, just flip over the hearts. That's that's what he did there. Does that make sense? I don't think my metaphor made sense. Listen, I'm a fan of close-up magic. So anytime you bring up throwing a deck of cards in the air, all I bring it back to is it turns into a dove and flies away. <laughs> and that's what happened there. Yep, you're the Jimmy Woo of uh, of our side of the MCU. <laughs> I am. Jimmy Woo of MCU. That's what they call me. Don't tweet it. Anyway, uh, follow up. <laughs> Why didn't Strange destroy the Mind Stone? Instead, he left it up to Shuri, Wanda, and the others to scramble and then fail to do it before Thanos could arrive. Uh, okay, well, I'm sorry. My client did not have the capability to destroy an Infinity Stone. They clearly state that only Wanda Maximoff could do it because her powers were derived from the Mind Stone. Presumably Carol Danvers might have been able to since her powers were technically derived from the Space Stone, from that Lightspeed engine. Mm. I would say it is fair for my client, Stephen Strange, to assume that the Mind Stone was safe in Vision's forehead. Especially with the Time Stone moved to another planet, as he was doing at the start of Infinity War. Uh, the problem, really, with the Mind Stone is uh, it was Cap's fault. Cap and the other Avengers mm. insisted on saving Vision's life in this removal process. Uh, they could have mm. just destroyed it immediately. That's what Vision wanted to do. He's like, my character sucks so bad. Please kill me off in the midpoint of this movie. Uh, they, he begged them. He begged them. He's like, I'm done. I'm, I'm tired of putting on this fucking red makeup in every movie. I loved it when I was Jarvis and I could just go into an 80s. Booth for one afternoon and then take my fee and leave. Instead, I have to wear this stupid uh, uh, fishing hat. <laughs> fishing hat. This stupid hat. swimming cap and, and get spray painted uh, red while everyone else gets to sip my ties and show up for a day to shoot their seeds. One and done, Robert Downey Jr., they call him. One take, Tony. And for me, I got to do these takes over and over again in this uh, blazing Georgia heat. Are you fucking kidding me? Kill me. Please kill me. And they didn't do it. And that is on Cap. That is on Cap saying we don't trade lives and Vision's like, fuck. Uh, so I believe that Strange, as you said, this guy knows how to call it. He knows how to see uh, a dead on arrival situation better than anyone. Yep. I believe he would have concurred if he was in the room. Yes, he did take a Hippocratic Oath to do no harm. But Vision is mm -hmm. not a living person he is a robot with no soul. Uh, and I believe yeah. Strange would have been like, eh, Hippocratic Oath doesn't apply here. Kill him! Yes. And at this point, the audience, the gallery bursts into applause and I scream, Order! Order! I'll throw you all out of here! <laughs> and then I walk out already triumphant. Yeah. I've already won the moral sweet symphonies playing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> we can't say any more of that. I'll have to pay for it. <laughs> Next, why didn't Strange tell Stark or the others more of the details of his future vision? Mm, uh, this might be fair to ask. Strange did kind of play coy with Tony in Infinity Ward Endgame. He's like... Here's what's going to happen, but I'm not going to tell you all the details. <laughs> like, he could have <laughs> given Tony a bit of a clue of what he needed to do. He's like, maybe next time you'll have a better chance. Or if 
we could only turn back time. Uh, instead, he kind of applied that dumb back to the future logic, you know, in which knowledge of future events creates like a paradox in which it won't happen. It's like, don't think about elephants and you think about it. And then you, your, your own grandpa's your lover now. Um, but yeah. uh, oh, been there, been there, done yeah, that. Yeah. But I would, it, the problem with this is like Scott Lang said in Endgame, Back to the Future is a bunch of bullshit. Like the movie is saying Back to the Future doesn't apply, but Strange kind of used Back to the Future reasoning there. But I would still say my client, Stephen Strange, is innocent because Tony's eureka moment of discovering time travel only occurred after he gave up trying and then he was given an opportunity to pick it back up after seeing that photo of Peter Parker, who was holding his diploma inverted, giving Tony the idea mm. of an inverted Mobius strip. So I think Strange knew Tony Stark. He's the kind of guy who needs to know, he needs all of his ideas to be his own ideas. He can't be told what to do. He needs to, even if it takes five years, figure out time travel on his own and figure out that time travel is a solution on his own. And he knows that Tony is, is kind of selfish, maybe, and if... If Tony knew in advance that he would have to make the sacrifice play, he might have tried to come up with a shortcut that didn't require a sacrifice. Maybe put Rhodey in Iron Man suit and said, uh, he's like, what kind of quality of life are we talking there? <laughs> I, I, I will admit that my client does break his Hippocratic oath by letting Tony Stark die. Well, uh, pretty damning stuff right there. Yeah, I, I, I do sorry, think, I'm yeah, sorry. Like, sorry. There, is a, there is a fair amount of, I think, the alpha male nature of Doctor Strange and yeah. Tony Stark led to this probably being more difficult than if it had been like Cap and Doctor right. Strange. Cap, Cap would have been eager to please. Yeah, Cap's a dumb but, dumb. Uh, He's just like, jump on the grenade. He's like, done, I'm already on it. Boom. I love it. It's already, it's inside of me now. Uh, <laughs> all right, so, so let's, let's bring this home uh, with our final charge. Why didn't Doctor Strange permanently prevent the threat from Dormammu with something more than the time stone? All right, this one's a tough one to argue because by using just the time stone to thwart Dormammu, he did make the time stone the one nuclear deterrent from Dormammu uh, attacking us in the future. And now that mm -hmm. the time stone is removed, uh, Dormammu could just simply attack our reality again and we would be screwed. But uh, my defense here, your honor, is that um, he doesn't necessarily know the time stone inside the Eye of Agamotto was the thing that powered that time loop that trapped him. For all he knows, he was just that magic necklace, not the stone inside it that, that uh, messed with his head. He doesn't understand time, you know? It was like a, a weapon that was completely foreign to him because he's completely outside of time. He was bewildered by this time loop. Strange's victory over him was really more of just like a, a symbolic, hey, don't fuck with us kind of victory, you know? So as long as no one tells Dormammu that the time stone is gone, we, we, we should be fine. We should be fine. As long as it remains a secret. Yes. Okay. Loose lip sync realities. All right. Well... Now would be the time where I, as the judge, would take my time and deliberate. But this is an Avengers Doctor Strange themed trial. So we're going to make a snap judgment. And Judge Tommy's coming back with a verdict that is pretty, pretty mind blowing. Your Honor, may I make a closing statement just to tip you one way or the other? Yes, absolutely. Okay, very quickly. I would say my client, Dr. Stephen Strange, celebrated MD. He's got lots of awards. Lots of awards. The best awards. The most beautiful awards. The hugest awards. We will not be using the simple plan defense, although that should be enough. We should take him at his word. But my client, Dr. Stephen Strange, is a god who works in mysterious ways. Who are we to question him? He's right to be timid about his use of the Time Stone, especially when that is the thing his enemy most wanted to get his hands on. Could he have used portals smarter? Sure. Could he have been more forthcoming with Tony Stark? Maybe. 
But he also might have been glad to see Tony Stark die. It's time for someone else to take over the MCU as the <laughs> smartest one. His days of being an oath-bound physician ended when his hands ended. Sorcerers adhere to rules that we cannot comprehend, and we are best not questioning them and trusting them to protect our reality, douchebag. Quack. 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 Oh, man. Quack. I wish. Eric, God, why did production have to shut down? We'd be perfect for the reboot of Mighty Ducks. That'd be great. Bash Brothers right here. The new Bash Brothers. <laughs> TB and Eric V. Smashing them. Bashing them. <laughs> crying to their moms after the game. All right. Time for my verdict now. Now I can give a verdict. That impassioned speech had already swung me towards the decision I was going to make. Of course. Doctor Strange is innocent. Of course, a patient, learned man who has changed the intellect of a doctor, the powers of a sorcerer. He's not making any wrong moves. There are no wasted movements. It's all Bruce Lee level karate. It's magnificent. You do not waste Doctor Strange's time because he alone understands how much time he's already wasted. I am wasting time now explaining my decision that would disgust Dr. Strange, okay? He's innocent. He did his best. He did what had to be done. Is there some gray areas with the Hippocratic Oath? Sure there is. But any good doctor messes with the oath, all right? You want a doctor that's willing to break the rules, but also play by him so religiously that it causes the death of beloved movie stars making $50 million a movie that their removal from the franchise opens up new possibilities in both visual effects and the casting of new stars. I, I find him innocent. And you know what I find you guilty of? Doing a great job. <laughs> but that's still a, a punishable offense on YouTube. So you, I'm going I, away. And you're, and, and you're sentenced to jail. You're sentenced to 50 years in prison. <laughs> uh, I'd take a prison over this blue dungeon. At least they have oxygen. <laughs> Good point. All right. We're going to move on to some people who helped us make this episode. Thank you to our friends at Audible for sponsoring this episode. We want you to listen to the new Audible original, The Sandman, based on the best-selling DC graphic novels written by the great Neil Gaiman, which were hailed by the Los Angeles Times Magazine as the greatest epic in the history of comic books. And, you know, they're onto something, for sure. This audio adaptation is decades in the making. It stars Professor X himself, James McAvoy, in the title role. Follow Morpheus the Dream Lord as he's pulled from the dream realm and imprisoned on Earth. But when he finally escapes, he must restore his power to rebuild his dominion. And that is just the beginning of it. It features a powerhouse ensemble cast, including Riz Ahmed, Kat Dennings, Michael Sheen, and more. In your wildest dreams, you have never heard anything like this. Listen now, only on Audible. Go to audible.com slash the Sandman. Yes. Ooh, I love that. Love that. All right. Now, big question is going to move on to some bite-sized questions that our man Tommy Bechtold will answer. Are you ready, Tommy? Fire on my way. Adrian2k18 on Discord asks, how strong is Spider-Man's webbing? Oh, Adrian, I'm so glad that you asked. You wouldn't by any chance be Adrian Toomes, would you? <gasps> and this isn't some treacherous <laughs> effort by the vulture to find this information out. No. We're on to you. Let's talk about his strength. The web line's tensile strength. Remember, tensile strength is the amount of force required to pull a material until it breaks. Right. Bam! With that web. Uh, has been estimated based on, I think, the weight of objects that he's picked up in movies and in comics to be about 120 pounds 
per square millimeter of cross-section in the webbing. However, in the movies, and in the TV, and in video games, we see superheroes and villains all the time breaking the webbing with ease. Yeah. Uh, in, a, in, a, in the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon, like, eight years ago, Batrock the Leaper, a non-powered villain, breaks it literally with no effort. Yeah, yeah, and Adrian Toomes, like, cuts it as well, like, in, right. in Homecoming. So Spider-Man's webbing does have immense tensile strength, but it, it appears to be weaker in other areas, like sheer strength and, and durability. Mm-hmm. So in theory... It just depends on how the webbing is applied and, and, and what kind of force the, 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 the different type of webs can apply to it. So Spider-Man, he, he can fire his webbing in, I, I think, the globs. He can also do... Um, he can do the web grenades. He can do, like, ricochet web. He can do sprays. He can shoot, like, a little glo- spray into the, someone's face. So obviously, if he if he's firing it in continuous ropes, it's going to be stronger, you know, if he's firing it in traditional webbing. But if he uses little globs or, or sprays of it, you know, to get in people's eyes or the web grenades, those are going to be a little bit weaker and probably easier to break. So... Pretty much the answer to this is like any power for a good superhero, uh, his webs are exactly as strong as they need to be for whatever story we are reading. So it basically is like if they need to be strong enough to lift up a bus, that's how strong they are. If they need to be weak enough for a little girl to break it as a joke, no offense, women can do everything. Rewind that, John, take that out. If they need to have a tiny kid break it to show a brute strength, you know, that a kid, they're so light, a kid can do it for a funny moment in the comic. That'll be how strong they are then. So it's tough to say, but but they're they're obviously, in, in terms of tensile strength and in terms of swinging things, they're incredibly powerful. And, of course, the t- the webbing dissolves after a couple hours. Like, it's, it's supposed right. to be the case, so that way he doesn't cover the whole city and it's right. freaking webbing that everyone sticks to. Right. But I love that uh, detail in The Amazing Spider-Man 2 with Andrew Garfield, how he sprays the little web on the kid's science project. And I imagine that kid, yeah. like, because the tensile strength is so strong, he can't adjust it. And he's like, get yeah. it wrong! It's still right. working! Right. minutes! And, and then eventually he, said, he goes up in front of the classroom and the whole thing just melts. And then he becomes a villain. And then he, Super that's villain. origin That's story. his origin. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Next question. A Jessel or AJ Essel on Discord asks, why doesn't Hella use the Tesseract to travel? This is kind of a, a, an understanding of the Tesseract as it is as, a, as an object in the MCU. And that is the people who see the Tesseract don't in- inherently know how to use it. It needs to be modified by science. Loki only really ever learns how to use the Tesseract effectively when he employs scientists to build a mechanism around oh. it to make it work. So when she first sees it, She's intrigued by it, but she uses the mode of transportation that most Asgardians use. It uses the Bifrost because she doesn't know what powers the Tesseract has. I mean, even the the other people who've interacted with it in the MCU, Red Skull, basically touched it, and that was the end of it. Like, it was like, you know, they don't necessarily know. They don't know how to harness the power of the Tesseract. Hela is presented to us as a warrior, not as like a supremely intellectual or scientific being. So it stands to reason she just didn't know it had that power mm-hmm. or she just didn't have, she didn't have the way to harness it in that. Like she didn't, she didn't have the time with it that Loki had to, you know, go undercover and, and pose as a scientist in a research laboratory to get uh, the machine built around it. So I think yeah. it just boils down to knowing what you have when you have it, like any good relationship, you don't know what you got till it's gone. <laughs> I guess it is kind of tough because Loki did just freaking pick it up in Endgame and seemed to know exactly where he was going when he portaled out of there. Whereas that's a fair point. That's a fair point, but like uh, maybe Loki's uh, trials throughout the Avengers final act taught him, like, oh, actually. 
figured this thing out, whereas Hela has never really been around this Tesseract and maybe yeah. still fears it. Well, it'd be interesting to see if Loki, if there's any explanation for that as to why he so easily, at the end of Endgame, he was able to do that. Yep. I wonder if maybe there's a deeper... If that's a deeper Easter egg that we can go into later. All right, what else you got for me? Our last question, Monster Man Alex on Discord asks, can Mr. Fantastic's elastic body ever be broken? And we hope mm. Monster Man isn't a real monster who's trying to oh. break up Reed Richards in half. Monster, monster Man. Monster Man. Monster Man. Monster Man, get in my office. Monster Man? Give me your gun and badge. You're off the force, Monster Man. That kid jumped in front of the bullet, Chief Monster Man. <laughs> I don't know why you announce yourself like that. That makes it worse. <laughs> Mr. Fantastic, he can extend his limbs, torso, neck, and other things, if you know what I'm saying, ladies. <laughs> I never. Sue Storm never looks angry. That's what I'm saying. She does frequently look exhausted. All right, to a great distance. The maximum length he can kind of extend out to before he identifies as it becoming uncomfortable is about three or four blocks or 1,500 feet. He has said that in comics, that like if it goes beyond 1,500 feet, if the pain becomes too much for him. So hypothetically, if you had like Thor and Hercules running in opposite directions, once it got beyond 1,500 feet, he would be in extreme pain. I don't know that it would break because we know Wolverine has tried, albeit under mind control, to slice him and his skin just forms around the blades. It just molds around Wolverine's blades. So Wolverine's adamantium claws are not powerful enough to slice him. So it's really unknown if he could truly be broken, but he can be stretched to such excruciating pain that he would be useless in his powers. So can he yeah. be incapacitated? Yes. Can he be broken? It does not appear so. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, uh, I think you would need a real out-of-the-box solution to it. Right, like we know at the start of the Secret Invasion event, uh, Hank Pym used that demolecularization de process to like destabilize yeah. his body. But yes. even then, he bounced back eventually. So there are other ways he can do it, but you can't just take the traditional route of like, let's just keep stretching and see how far he goes. All right, thank you for answering those questions, Tommy. Very interesting no points on all those. But now we have time for My one pleasure. final. Box of scraps question. Box of scraps. Box of scraps. Oh, Miss Pot. I wish she lived. I would have preferred. I would have preferred she lived. Uh. <laughs> the dude abides. Yeah. That's Dana Carvey's impression of uh, <laughs> Jeff Bridges. It's, it's just a big bowl of beef stew. <laughs> a big and a big bowl. Of... Jeff Bridges is from Malibu, California. <laughs> Not the Wild West, as you would assume. All right, anyway, box of, box of scrubs. All right, our question this week. What's the worst roommate experience you've ever had? Uh, all right, I want to preface this. I've had a lot of roommates. Uh, we live in Los Angeles. Roommates are part of that lifestyle. This person is by no means the worst roommate I've ever had. He's my friend to this day. I will not say his name out loud. Eric, you know him. He is a very, very, very nice person. This story is just too hilarious not to tell because it is such an inconsiderate behavior by him that led to a hilarious situation. And he was very young at this point, so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he's evolved since then. Anyway, let me set the stage. I worked at a high-end bakery lunch counter uh, restaurant in the Larchmont area of Los Angeles, which is a very upscale kind of affluent neighborhood uh -huh. where we had sandwiches, salads, cookies, all this great stuff, but it was quicker service. So we had a lot of people in the industry coming in and out. Anyway, at the end of the day, because all of us are, you know, wannabe actors who are broke, 
the out of the kindness in their hearts, the owners would divvy up the food that was left over because it was all fresh and like you know you couldn't really reuse stuff. Mm-hmm. So we would get boxes and bags of cookies and stuff like that. So I would bring it home to my living situation, which at that point, about nine years ago, I was living in a house with four four other comedians in the front of the house and then two comedians in the back house. So there were seven of us. So I would come home and basically it was like something out of like like Oliver. Like I would be like, all right, gang, food's here. You were the artful dodger. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, you know, my only rule was like, I, I really honestly felt this way was like, everybody can eat whatever they want. Please just don't eat the last of one thing. Because if, if sure. I tried to put limitations on like, don't eat this or don't eat this, I felt like that would make people too uncomfortable. And I didn't want it all for myself. Like it was too much food. So I was like, just don't eat the last thing. Well, this roommate was completely ignored that rule. They ate all the food indeterminately, whatever they want. I once made um, Italian sausage on the grill and brought them inside on a plate, went and ran to the bathroom to go to the bathroom, came back and he had eaten two of them. These were just grilled. And he said, oh, I thought they were for the house. And I was like, you thought I just made house Italian sauce? You know what? <laughs> Fine. He, he's like uh, the pies wafting its scent on the windowsill, and he floats over yes. to the uh, to the sausages and gobbles them up. So, cut to an evening, much like this evening, uh, uh, nine years ago, where I get a frantic phone call from this person saying, "I'm dying. I'm having a heart attack. I am. I, I. I don't know what's going on with me. I'm dying. I'm dying." And I'm like, "What? What's going on?" And he's like, "I." I think I'm having a heart attack. I'm waiting for an ambulance to come. This is a healthy 22-year-old person. I'm like, what, what do you need me to, co- to come get you? He's like, no, I'm going to the hospital, and then I'm flying home to be with my family If once oh my I get God. released from the hospital. So this person had this incident, and I'm like, this is very strange for this person to have had a heart attack. Well, we take inventory of what's missing from the house, and all the cookies are gone. But in eating all of my baked goods that I brought home, he also ate the only other baked good in our refrigerator, which happened to be a 300 milligram edible marijuana cookie that my my other roommate had, thinking it was one of my fresh baked delights and thus infusing himself (laughs) with enough THC to become a Batman villain. 300 milligrams. So his heart attack was just a high, literally no pun intended, uh, level anxiety attack from... you know, being oh, high yeah. on weed without knowing that you're high. Yeah, if you didn't know. So this poor guy thought he had a heart attack. And then at the hospital, they were like, nothing's wrong with you. And then he literally did fly home to Phoenix, Arizona. Home. <laughs> on, on the power of his seemingly uh, devastating <laughs> heart attack, he, he fluttered through the sky. So, yeah. So we figured out the reason that he had this incident was because he disobeyed the don't eat the last cookie <laughs> rule and ate. The last cookie, which was a weed cookie. Although I love this man very much. And if he ever watches this, he'll know this was about him. But he has plenty of embarrassing stories about me. He can come and tell on another <laughs> platform. I, that was that was pretty bad. That was a pretty bad one. What do you got? Oh, wow. I, I do know this guy. And we probably love him even more now for, for this having yes. happened to him. Poor I guy. mean, it really is kind of an adorable. When you think about the fact that I was young, which made him super young. I mean, he may have been barely 21 at that point. Oh, right? wow. Yeah. Um. I, like you, have had um, many, many roommates. Over there. I've been lucky that most of them have been great. I, I I, don't have a whole lot of horror stories, but in college, I was in a similar situation. Everyone in our college improv club for like a year lived in this. We wanted our own frat house, and I was 
too much of a wuss to sign my name on the lease for the start of it. I, I had another living situation. Yeah. Like, I'll just hang out over there. But, like, mm-hmm. eight other people lived in this house that was meant for six people. People crashing on couches. Mm-hmm. It was a mess. We called it the TSF house. Uh, we wanted our, like, <laughs> lambda, lambda, lambda. It was uh, gross. Um, but it wasn't yeah. just all dudes. There was It was, like, half women, half men. And the women are just like, I got to mm-hmm. get out of here. This place is disgusting. <laughs> so, like, over the course of the year-long lease, I think a total of 14 different people lived there. And then my final summer yeah. before I moved out to Los Angeles, after I had graduated, there was, like, two months left. I was like, I need a place to crash. I'll live in the TSF house because one of the people on the lease is like, I'm already paid through. You can just like stay there for free. And I'm like, yes, wow. big, big mistake. Because at that point in the summer, like half the people who live there, they're paying like $200 a month in rent, dirt cheap rent. And they didn't want to spend any extra money. So they would never turn on the AC. And it just got oh, no. musty and gross, <laughs> trash everywhere. And then 14 people's worth of crap had just been left there. You know, there's like those sociological experiments where it's like the diffusion of responsibility, where they'll mm-hmm. <laughs> one person, one like kid to scream, help, help, help in a crowded place. And if there's like a ton of people around, no one will help the kid. But if there's one person around, they'll be like, well, it's on me. They'll go help the kid. Right. It was right. kind of like. You know, 14 people is just like, oh, someone else will clean this up or someone else needs this uh, mm. pot and pan set. So I'll just leave it there and I'll move out and I'll come get it when it comes time to clear out. No one did. Everyone had all moved on. And it came wow. time for like the end of our lease. And everyone who had been there originally when the lease was signed was like, well, we expect to get our security deposit back. And those of us who were there were like, fuck, no, we're not going to like clean up this place. There's it's it looks like hoarders by the end of the time right. of us living there. But still, we had intended to do some clean, at least clean out the fridge, and we, like, waited to the yeah. last week, and then my buddy Ricky, God bless him, just, like, piled shit into garbage bags that just lined the hallways that final week, because he was still trying to get his stuff, he was original signee. And then the morning of, we had uh, into, tried to wake up at 7am to clean up the place, and the electricity got shut off. Because oh, it was the last day. Whoever paid oh, the electricity bill had it uh, shut off that morning. So our wow. alarms didn't go off. We woke up hot and sticky because the AC wasn't on and our fans weren't on. So we woke up at like 10 a.m. just being in a pool of sweat being like, oh, no. But Ricky had worked the whole night. And Tommy it was terrifying. I walked into the kitchen. I heard I heard him scrubbing, 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 scrubbing. Oh, scrubbing. God. And I'm like, <laughs> what is going on? And then I look at him. He is... Just out of his mind, just like sleep deprived, oh, doesn't even notice me. Yeah. Like a ghost, like phase shifting through me, walks to the bathroom, rings out a rag in the toilet water, rings oh. it out, goes back and scrubs out the fridge, and he goes, "They turned off the power, ain't oh, got God, no Ricky. water," and just scrub, oh. scrub, scrub the refrigerator. <laughs> And I'm like, Ricky, no. And I was like, Ricky, it's not worth it. He's like, I need to finish. I was like, Ricky, it's not oh, worth God. it. And then Philip was one of the original signees and he called me. He's like, what's the problem? And I'm like, not now, Philip. If you want your <laughs> if you want your deposit back, you gotta get here and do it yourself. And he's like, What are you talking about? And I took a picture of what the place looked like, and he's like, How much could there be? And then he's like, I understand. After I sent him the picture, he's like, just leave it. Just leave it. And we all just left oh, our God. keys and we got <laughs> out of there. It was a oh, nightmare. Uh, and I felt, 
no one got their deposit. I believe the the landlord just like paid guys to to just junk it all. He probably burned down the place because we had had so many parties there. It was everything was covered in beer stains. It oh god, disgusting. yeah, those old college houses on like yeah, your uh, campus are like yeah, they they like condemned. Like the only people who would live there are other college kids that are like, this is great. This looks lived in. Yeah, so we were the bad roommates in that scenario. It was it was like a murder on the Orient Express. There wasn't one culprit. It was everyone was the culprit. Everyone had guilt. The real bad guy in that in that story is society. Society yes. made you that way. That's yeah. right. I don't take any responsibility. Yeah. I was made. No, no. I was made into a victim. I was made into a victim. <laughs> I don't know. You're the yeah. you're the bad guy. Well, that's our show. Uh, Tommy, as always, so great to chat with yes. you. Learn a little bit about Pleasure. your life. And we were able yes. to exonerate Doctor Strange, which at the end of the day... Happy is, to do it. We just yes. need another rich white man to walk free. The justice system works. Uh, reminder that you can all join us on our official Discord by becoming a patron yeah. at patreon.com slash newrockstars. You can get an audio version of the show by subscribing to New Rockstars Big Question wherever you get your podcasts. And you can send us your big questions on Twitter using the hashtag big question. Follow me at EAVOS, follow Tommy at Tommy Bechtold, follow New Rockstars on social, subscribe here on YouTube to get too much information on all the stuff you're afraid to ask about. Let's go uh, have a nice steak dinner like all the attorneys <laughs> do. Steak, cigars, and whiskeys to celebrate our victory. To Musso and yeah. Frank. Oh, it's still shut down. Take out Musso uh, and Frank. Take out <laughs> styrofoam containers of mussels and olive oil or whatever yeah, they're special. Old fashioned yeah. in, a, in a nice styrofoam cup. <laughs> That's one yes. way to do it. All mm. right. Goodbye, All right. everyone. <laughs>